Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Welcome back to Trot's Life, and I'm joined now by John Peck, a member of Harness Racing Media Association's Hall of Fame, and one day, who knows, uh, in about 80 years, I, I might uh, I might get uh, get there, who knows. But welcome back to Trot's Life. Get involved on the text line, 0499 736 736. And first and foremost, John Peck is on the line. John, how are you, mate? And uh, whereabouts do we find you today? Uh, we're seeing me right in front of a computer, um, updating <laughs> classic families, actually. <laughs> It's probably something you do a fair bit of in front of the computer, I'd imagine. And uh, I reckon things might have changed from uh, way back when you started out as a journalist. Yeah, I think we had something called system cards. And uh, <laughs> you remember sorting them and resorting them. And uh, you're a little bit different now. And you'd only wish you had yeah, the, the tech you had now way back then. It would have been so much easier. It would have been so much easier. You don't have to spend days and days down at uh, the State Library going through old newspapers to find information on, on uh, horses. Yeah, well, I, I still probably do that for, you know, another project that I'm sort of working on, which is um, yeah, nearing completion, which is every racing venue in Melbourne since 1837 within 50 k's. So there's about 350 of them. So it's quite amazing. <laughs> Really? You know, what happened in the old days. We're, we're a little bit off topic, but yeah, what, in, done, uh, yeah, in harness or I know. all three codes? No, everything. It's basically uh, any any venue that had a race for uh, trotters, pacers, gallopers, hacks, ponies, yeah. greyhounds, whippets, goats, and point-to-point steeplechases. <laughs> oh, wow. There wasn't goat races, was there? Surely. So that pretty much covers a lot, but... Uh, <laughs> I think there's one particular one. There's uh, the corner of Springvale Road and Princess Highway. Within five k's of that, there were 15 different racetracks. Unbelievable. We have we have gone which off is, topic. A mixture but... of yeah, greyhounds and trotting and galloping. Yeah, we have gone off topic. But the history of harness racing, something, uh, and the history of racing, obviously, is something you're very keen on. And take us back uh, to. You know, where you started out, John, my first recollections or of you was the Australian trotting record, which must have been about the 80s, is my first recollection of it, of you bobbing up. Yeah, it was probably a little bit before the 80s. Uh, that was my uh, my first job was at the Australian trotting record, working under uh, Kenny Smart, who happened to win the uh, posthumously the Bob Kane Memorial uh, medal issue. Fabulous fellow and... One of my early jobs was to uh, ring up Ken Dyer at the, the trotting council there and get breedings um, of horses that I could then put in the trotting record. And a relationship developed there with Ken, and Ken said there was a job coming up, so that's where I went and yeah, stayed there and became keeper of the stud book and uh, CEO for, yeah, 12 months. So, so is And then that... we sort of branched out and... Um, we had a magazine. So, so is that relationship with Ken Dyer? Harness Racing International, which is probably sadly missed. Yeah, yeah. Is that relationship with Ken Dyer where you first really started dabbling in breeding as such, or were you interested in breeding before you started at the Australian Trotting Record? 
uh, probably wasn't that interested in breeding. I was more interested in history and what I sort of called the the bum's rush that trotting got with publicity with everything. Mm. Um, and I thought I'd sort of dedicate the rest of my life to finding to to ensuring that there's as much material about harness racing yeah in this country that um, to balance balance it up against what the thoroughbreds already had. You touched on the harness. Yeah, the breeding yeah. was, yeah, well, became keeper of the stud book, so it became keeper of the stud book, so you sort of become interested and then, yeah, bred a couple and met up with um, Paul Graydon and became great mates and we imported, yeah, two trotting stands and Keystone Salute and RC's DJ and they both became number one, so I put my cue in the rack after that. <laughs> the Pauls kept going. All right, so Keystone Salute Narcisse DJ, you'll have to pardon me. I was only born in 1980, but I would have said that was late 80s, early 90s. That's my recollection of those two trotting stallions. Yeah, that, that, yeah that's right. And, um, yeah, it gives, gives me a great interest because I sort of follow the, you know, the progeny now of the probably the mares, the Keystone Salute mares. I think there's one... Coming back very soon, called Copacabana, oh, yeah. um, owned by Nick Hooper of the Breeders Association, and I'm sure he's looking forward to the next couple of months with it. Yeah, hundred percent. So, was that search uh, when you were searching for stallions back in the '80s and '90s? Is that what drew you to Europe and got your interest sparked in European racing? Because I know you're heavily invested or interested in European racing today. Yeah, well, Paul and I went on a um, a tour of uh, or a holiday in in Europe, and we we got to see the Elite Lop, um, the big Oslo Grand Prix, and the Copenhagen uh, Open, and uh, we met uh, the well, probably the people, the Boko Stables people, and Menharma Stud, and yeah, I, I think we wrote probably close to twenty letters to a whole lot of different people trying to get a stand because. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's not easy. Um, and we met some marvellous people over there and, yeah, the relationships have continued. So you've touched on a couple of times official... But key- I, I think one thing that really did amaze me, I went on a holiday. Yeah, okay, you went on a holiday? Oh, yeah, I went on a holiday in, um, uh, with my, um, my wife, late wife, and, and her, her family and... It just annoyed me you know, that, you know, they just sort of didn't recognise that there was, you know, harness racing in Europe. But I think I went on a Kentucky tour and had a big argument with the bloke leading it. I'm trying to tell him that, you know, trotting in France is better than, is bigger than the gallops and there's huge trotting in Italy and in, in Sweden. There's 26 tracks to only three galloping tracks. But, so that's what, yeah, enthused me to sort of get that message out and what you see now is yeah, just amazing um, sort of helped along of course by you know Duncan McPherson the yeah. old Baron yeah. and, uh, and Driscoll with Yabby Dams it's, yeah, it's it totally changed things hasn't it? it it has now you've touched on a couple of times official keeper of the stud book now what exactly 
uh, is involved was involved with the official keeper of the stud book. I used to I remember getting the big black books uh, in the eighties and the nineties, but of course with modern technology, that's all moved online. T- tell us about being the official keeper of the stud book. Well, it was just a lot of just a hard slog with some you know terrific um, staff that worked alongside you. You had to get when in those days you had to type up. <laughs> All the filings, and you know, we used to name, name, obviously name all the horses. Those horses had to be then sorted into mare order, and then you'd have to type that on a card, and that card went down the printers. As I said, it's so much easier now. You just type it once, and it's in there forever. But uh, yeah. it was a hard slog, but we had some you know, great staff, and yeah, Ken was a really good boss to us all. And um, I think that makes the difference. He, he respected us, and we respected him, and... Yeah, you work you work that a little bit harder. Oh, I can remember, you know, looking up a stallion and, and finding a horse by that stallion and it had raced at meeting number 207A, which the A represent, represented that it had won and a B was if it had run second. Memories that a lot of people would remember going through the stud book and looking at horses that might have been related to their horses, but you didn't know much about them because they raced in WA or Queensland or something. It was... It was a huge part of the industry back then. It was like the Bible of harness racing. Yeah, it was. You know, I think the, you know, the, the trotting record actually was probably known as the Bible, but the, the, you know, the stud book had everything. And then, of course, you had the companion uh, yearbook as well. Yeah. But, you know, we were a long way left behind. I think the first yearbook we ever had in Australia was 1967. And, you know, I know part of the work I've done, I've now collected the result of every sort of trotting race since 1837 and that will eventually come out in some sort of publication in the next couple of years but um, that's what sort of disappoints you you know the thoroughbreds have had their turf registers since 1864 and you know we started 1967 pretty pretty tough to you know find stuff in the old days and I guess that's what classic families does with feature races you've got all the feature race results back to you know, 1860. So you, you touch on classic families. Tell us, well, how did classic families uh, start? Was it Dr. Ron Groves and Peter Charles and just yourself initially? And, and when did it start and what what was the uh, motivation behind it? Uh, it was basically um, Ron Groves um, from Perth. He came over and visited me um, in the Harness Racing International offices and um, he was super interested in breeding and he was very interested in maternal families and uh, he wanted to actually create a complete list of maternal families for every horse that was racing in Australia, New Zealand and America. I sort of, I threw in Europe after that but (laughs) that that was a few years further on and that's what we've done. Um, I think there's over 7,500 families now and every horse that's running in Australia or America and New Zealand goes back to a family that's been numbered and named by classic families. So that's every horse by sex, date of birth, country of birth, stakes, best mile rate. You can get a four-generation pedigree, then there's tail lines, descendants, offsprings, classic crosses, histories elite performers it's a pretty comprehensive uh <laughs> comprehensive website yeah it's uh well it's you know it, it's not every horse you know it, 
the thing is elite horses, and it's virtually every horse that's won a feature race. Yeah, okay. Um, what we've got on there is, you know, every 150 horse. I think Australia's now up to 90 150 horses. Um, we've got there's 180 148 horses around. So, and it's the leading award winners going back in history, the leading state money winners. Yeah, I, I probably haven't got enough time to tell you everything that's on there, but for breeders, it's something. It's a tool they can use uh, away from reading stuff on the internet that people are being paid to promote stands. Um, you can do your own research and find out, yeah, the truth about what's going on. So, so as a breeder, I've got a mare in the paddock. How, how can I get a better insight into my mare and her, what stallion to go f- go to from classic families? What, how can I do that? How can how can I use that as a tool to, you know, to better improve my chances of getting a horse that'll end up in classic families as a, as a 150 rated uh, horse? Well, the first thing is, is, is to find out what family it belongs to. Um, and you might, if it isn't on classic family, then it's easy to go to the Harness Racing Australia website and go back a dam or two. To, and you find out what family, you then go on classic families and you can you click on families, you type in the family number, and it will give you all the feature race winners from that family in a reverse chronological order. So if you look at it, and you can't see anything after 2010, well, I suggest maybe the the mayor needs to be uh, moved on, and you grab another mayor. Uh, also, whatever stallion you mares by, you can type in that stallion's name. Just click on Classic Crosses and you can find every Classic winner um, by that horse. Or you can then click on Broodmare Crosses and find out every feature race winner that one of those, uh, say it was Art Major, every every Classic winner that's come from an Art Major mare. And then you can see which stallions have succeeded with it. Um, so it just gives you a little, few little clues, but... Maybe that first thing is checking the family might be the the best thing to to make sure you've got something that's worth you know working with. So back back in the day, you might have had a windshield wiper mare and you would have clicked on it and said, "Well, what have all the windshield wiper mares produced?" And Classic Gary would have figured predominantly. And today, the famous one, of course, is Better's Delight out of a uh, Christian Cohen mare. Are there other classic crosses over the years that? that you, you're aware of that, you know, really stand out to you? Um, probably. It's often a thing of convenience. You know, you often had, you know, in America, you sort of had, um, you know, Adios and Tar Heel, and then you had, yeah. um, you know, you had Brett Hanover. And as you moved on, it was often a thing of convenience. Um, yeah, I, I guess when you look at the numbers, there's... I just did some numbers this morning, and I've got a thing. Uh, Better's Delight's had over 6,400 foals. Uh, Art Majors had 4,200. Holmes Hanover's had 3,700. But you go on Classic Families, and you'll find that Holmes Hanover has never had a son that's ever sired a Classic winner. Wow. Um, Better's Delight hasn't had one that's had a Group 1 race in Victoria, a son of Better's Delight, an art major, um, the same sort of thing. 
which is amazing. But, you know, unless you had classic families, you wouldn't know, you know, you can actually click on there, you can click on, say, Better's Delight, you click on Descendants, you select sires and it'll list you all the sires, sons of Better's Delight that have sired winners and you'd be quite surprised. As I said, you've probably got 20 out of 6,400. That have gone on to stand at start and, and side winners. That's an interesting stat, isn't it? I would have, I would have naturally thought it would be much higher than that. Yeah, yeah. Well, Holmes Hanover, the one that did, did my head in, like 3,000, what they say, <laughs> 700 foals, and never sired a, a sire. Yeah, never And yet he was a, a wonderful broodmare sire. So, yeah, people... <laughs> And then I guess that what brings out in classic families, you can you can see the sire line, yeah, click through like you can look up, say Tar Heel, and click through his sons, grandsons, and he was dead after three generations. Albatross, exactly the same thing. So some you can see the sire lines that are sort of continuing on. Makes you sort of think when you look at a, a new stand, you know, is that sire line dying, or or is it you know moving on? And I think that's the information on Classic Families helps you to sort that sort of thing out. Who's the greatest horse in Australasian history, John? And interesting to get your perspective on this. A lot of people would say Mary's Idol, but you just might see things a little bit differently. Uh, I'd, I'd probably have to go a dead heat, Mary's Idol and Globe Derby for, for different reasons. Um, you know, Mary. Mary's Idol is yeah, just a magnificent horse, the presence, and how much better he was than anything else around. But what Globe Derby did, when we were talking sire lines earlier, I mean, his sire line extended, I think, nearly nine generations, and you got horses like Tar Heel and Albatross who were dead after three. So yeah, his influence was yeah, amazing. Probably the, you know, the... Two best. You're talking about paces. I, geez, I don't know. I sort of keep going back to sort of Hellwes, uh, probably Poppy and yeah, Black's a fake. I think. Don't think Black's a fake gets a credit. Um, he deserves. You know, the number of inter dominions he won, and yeah, I remember a race at Mooney Valley. I think it was off about 30, 30 metres. I think um, three wide, virtually the last thousand, and still won. So. He was, he was a magic horse. He certainly was. He probably doesn't get quite the plaudits he deserved, Blacks are fake. The people still talk about a popular arm, but to do what Blacks are fake did, the constitution of that horse is absolutely amazing, of course, by fake left out of Collada Hanover. And I'll tell you what, I, I'd imagine they figure pretty prominently in classic families because there's a lot, a lot of very good horses in that family. Yeah, there certainly are, and yeah, I think you only have to look at a few yearling sale catalogues. Um, yeah, you'll find a few people have sort of bred on with daughters of uh, Collada Hanover. Um, and, that's, and you're sort of talking about Queensland there. I think I mean we're completely off track, but have you you've been checking out the Tuesday meetings at um, Albion Park with all these two-year-old trotters? Like they've had about ten weeks in a row, and they're coming home 58 and 59. <laughs> Last halves. It's that if you said you didn't have trotters races in Queensland 20 years ago, people would have laughed at you. Yeah. Now we've got a two-year-old trotters race every week, and 
yeah, coming home in 58. So that shows where the breed's going and just getting better and better and better. The progress of the sport is amazing, really. John, mate, uh, just on behalf of everyone in harness racing, we probably don't do this often enough, but we just thank you for what you've done over not just the last 45-odd years, but uh, obviously over the coming years, there's going to be a lot more come out and uh, there's so much you've put into this sport that uh, will be unquantifiable for the rest of uh, history uh, as it proceeds us. So, John, on behalf of everyone in harness racing and, and everyone in the breeding industry, thank you very much for everything you've done for harness racing and absolute pleasure to have you on the show today in uh, Harness Breeders Week. Thanks a lot, Toby, and yeah, continue your, your good work as well. All right. Thanks, John. And a break, and we will be back the other side for a short segment just before we get to the 12.30 news.